Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. You might be thinking, Luke chapter 2, we're going to have a Christmas message this morning. Well, there's more in that passage than just the nativity story. And it really wouldn't be a bad idea. We could have that at any time of the year, really. So Luke chapter 2, I, I hadn't really thought about the Sunday school lesson as far as uh, how it related to the message here until maybe more this morning when I was here. And then uh, Tim's uh, good devotions there on heaven. And it does all kind of fit together, So um, as God's word often does. But we're going to start reading this morning in Luke chapter 2, down at verse 39. And this is after they would have taken Jesus to the temple. And you would have had some people there prophesying over him in the temple and, and saying what was going to happen. And, and Mary was hearing these things and, and observing these things. And in verse 39 it says, And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to, into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, they returned, and the child tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing to have, supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass, that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them that his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is an interesting story, and some of, the, some of the aspects of this, I think, sometimes make us wonder a little bit about why did this happen. And it's interesting that Luke, who speaks a lot about Jesus' humanity and, and mentions different things in his life and how he was, had come and was living in the, in the flesh like we are, and yet God himself, he will bring out some of these things. I don't know if any of the other Gospels mention his age. They might with regard to his baptism, but we really don't have an, anything about him between the time of his birth, basically, and his dedication until this story here. And then if you follow on through Luke here, you'll notice after this story, you'll see it starts talking about John the Baptist. And then over in chapter 3 at verse 23, it says, Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. And then it goes on in and starts talking about his, his ministry. A lot of things we don't know about what happened in those years. There are some supposed gospels that were written that fill us in some of the details. Apparently they thought we needed to know things that, that God didn't need to tell us. And we don't know if any of that stuff is true. Probably not. But here we have Jesus that uh, 12 years of old 
12 years old, and his parents take him up to Jerusalem to the Passover. Now, according to the law, males were supposed to, the men were supposed to go to the Passover every year. It was a feast that was about a week long. Women were not required to be there, but many of them went. Mary apparently went along and probably did most of her years. And I find it interesting that it says here that now his parents went to Jerusalem every year, the feast of the Passover. And so as an example to him, they followed the law. They did what was right. And I don't think we can ever overestimate what obedience to God's word for parents will do for their family and for their children. It doesn't guarantee that they will choose right, but it certainly has an uh, amazing amount of bearing upon their lives if we follow through and, and follow the word of God. And it says that they, that as they went to the feast of the Passover, and I thought about it when reading this this time, a thought came to me that I hadn't thought about before, but every year they went there, and every year they took the true Passover lamb with them and didn't realize it. Jesus went along every year for the Passover, and they didn't realize that down the road someday when they were actually um, slaying those lambs for the Passover, that the true Passover lamb, the one that, that uh, Tim read about in Revelation this morning, that that lamb was actually going to be crucified and slain outside of the city walls when this, was, when this very thing was happening. And so here they are taking the Passover lamb with them to the Passover. And for some reason, they all head out of town. And this is where the story begins to make us ask some questions that I don't know that we have any answers for other than just the narrative. This is what happened. They leave and they assume that Jesus, this promised son that Mary was promised and that, that they knew was not of Joseph, they knew this, this child was uh, conceived of the Holy Spirit, a special child, and they head out of Jerusalem and assume he's along. Now, there is a, he's 12 years old, and most of you parents who have a 12-year-old child probably wouldn't start walking and go for a day without actually seeing them and just assume they're with you. I, they, they do say, though, that 12-year-old, especially boys, 12-year-old boys in this culture, in this setting, were more mature than the ones that are raised in Western cultures today. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what some people would say. He probably was, and there was family, and there were friends, and they all just headed out, and they assumed Jesus was along, and they get there that night, and they start looking around. Probably it's time to bed down for the night wherever they were staying, and where's Jesus? Have you seen him? Have you? No, I haven't seen, haven't seen him since we left. Well, didn't he leave with us? I don't know, and he starts talking around. And I, If you're like I am, and especially as mom, you probably start to panic about now. Did he get lost along the way? Did he stop somewhere? Did somebody? No one knew. So they were a day out, and so they had to head back. And it's a day back to get back to Jerusalem. And I suppose there were a lot of things that went through their mind in that traveling back. They, if they're like me, they probably imagined all kinds of horrible things that could have happened to this young man. 
this boy. They get back, and it says here after three days, I believe that could actually mean, and their culture could be on the third day or sometime on the third day. So it's a day out, a day back, and the third day they're looking for him. And they find him in the temple talking with the doctors or the, the, the doctors of the law, the men who really knew the law and all the different things that had, been, that had come up from the law through the years. And there he is discussing these things with him as a 12-year-old. And it was not uncommon at that time for them to sit around and discuss things. But for a 12-year-old to be asking questions that were amazing and then also giving answers that were amazing, and his parents saw this, and I don't think they understood what was going on. And his mother said something to him. Uh, she said, why have you done this? Your father and I have been looking for you. And we didn't know where you were. And it's interesting that he comes back and says, if you notice, the, Joseph is talked about in the one verse, in, in verse 48. Your father and I have been looking for you. And he says, well, I've been about my father's business. I have been about my father's business. Don't you know that? Yes, this father, my earthly father, the one that, that people suppose to be my father, is looking for me, but I'm doing my father's work. And that's what I want to look at this morning, is are you going about doing your father's business. So we talked this morning in Sunday school about running with patience, this race that's set before, running with patience and doing, and, and especially we think about this great cloud of witnesses, those that have gone before that give us an example of how to live. And Tim talked about our goal is heaven someday. And during that time period, are we about our father's business? Now, depending on what translations you use, and I don't want to get too technical here because for one thing, I don't really understand it that well myself. But depending on what translations you use, it'll say, didn't you know that I need to be in my father's house or my father's temple? Depending on what you might be, if you have a parallel Bible or something. And so I did a little looking into that. And I think even some early church writers might have, referenced it that way the, the the fact is in the greek from what and like i say i i'm, I'm saying more than, than i really understand here but from what I, under, what I did read and understand i don't even know that there's a noun there in the greek it's more a suggestion and so from the context they just pull well he was in the temple so he's in his father's house but somehow the reference is made to it being plural so if that's the case he would be saying in my father's houses which doesn't really make a lot of sense. And so it, it would, from what I understand and, and what some other people who understand the language much better than I do, would say it has more to do with I'm, I'm being involved in my father's, my father's what? My father's work. My father's business, as it says it here. But maybe this morning we could think about are you involved in the Father's work, in the Father's, what he's doing? He was invested in what his Father's work was. Now, in that, and we'll finish out a little bit looking at what happened here, part of being in, 
involved in his father's business or his father's work was going back with his parents and being subject to them until he was older. Doesn't say that they ever lost him again. They might have had a conversation about that and he, honoring his earthly parents, didn't do that again. Not that he sinned in doing it the first time. I think there's a reason he did it. And again, I thought of all kinds of different reasons, but I don't know that we know specifically what it was. There was a reason he did this. And it may have even just to help his parents grasp a little bit of who this young man was, who this boy was. But whatever it was, and we don't know that, he goes back and he is subject to them. And verse 52 is similar to verse 40. In verse 40, it says, The child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, the grace of God was upon him. That was up until this time. And between this time and his time of being in the ministry, I suppose, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He continued to grow. That was part of being involved in his father's business. And I would hope that for each of us, as we continue on, being involved in God's work, whatever it is that we're doing, that we would grow, that we would increase in wisdom and that in favor of God, with God and with man. Now, sometimes maybe being in favor with man doesn't necessarily follow. And if you look at Jesus' life as he continued on, there was a period of time when he did became more in favor with man, but there also were men who hated him and eventually killed him. And everyone fled for the most part and left him there. So one of the words that he used here, and I hope we can, we can use this as well, and that is, going back to 49, Know ye not that I must be about my father's business? Is that your testimony this morning? Is that my testimony? In your life, do you look at it and say, you know what, above everything else, above everything else in life, I must be about my Father's work. I must be about God's work. It's not a I would like to be about. He, Jesus didn't say here to his mom, you know what, I, don't you know I'd really like to do my Father's work? Don't you know it would be better if I did my father's work? Don't you know that, that that would be ideal if I could just do my father's work? He says, I must be about my father's work. Is that how I see God's work? Or, as it often is, well, don't you know that I must do this, and I must do this, and I must do And those things maybe all need to be done, but at the root, at the foundation... Is there a, I must be about my father's business? I must. It's that important. Everything else is subservient in my life to being about my father's business. Is that how we look at it? And what did Jesus, as Jesus continued on in life, what was his father's business? What did it look like? Well, first of all, he, if you go over here, it's not long, and you'll see that he was baptized. I think that's part of being about God's work. We, we get saved. We're, we first must come to him in, in repentance and, and 
bow before him and accept him as our Lord and Savior. And then it says that he was baptized and then he went about preaching. And I'm not saying that everyone's work is to go about preaching, but there is a sense in which we all need to proclaim the, the Jesus preached repentance, first of all, and he preached repent, repentance in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, and repent, repent. And, and that needs to be a focus. Part of his being about his father's business was just serving others. He came to serve others. He, he, he healed people. He loved people. He visited with people. He showed people his father. And that's all, maybe should we say, at least I hope you find caring for people and loving people and reaching out to people, I hope you find that enjoyable and encouraging to yourself. Sometimes it can, it can take a lot of work, but rewarding. But he was also ridiculed when he was going about his father's work. Do we enjoy that? No, probably not. He suffered for his father's work immensely. I don't know if any of us here will ever be called to do this, but he gave his life as part of his father's work. Now, we can't give our lives to save anyone. We're not looking for a resurrection before the Lord comes back and we're raised, whatever, um, But that was part of his work. So we can't do everything that Jesus did by any means. But he does give us an example of what it's like to have a life of dedication to his father. But what about us? Now, I'm, when I say we must be about our father's business or our father's work, I'm not talking about your occupation. Uh, we all, at least the men here and maybe some of the ladies, we, we have work to do. We have occupations. And that may not be an occupation that's directly involved in the kingdom. Now, hopefully, in your occupation and in your work, you can share the kingdom. But again, if your work, wherever you work, or if you have your own business, whatever your business is, if it is above the Father's business, you're in trouble. That's just how it is. That, that's, that's a problem. We are, are, whatever we're doing in life, wherever we work, whatever we're doing, or if you're a mom at home or you're, um, you're retired, whatever it might be, that has to come under the Father's business, the Father's work. Does that mean that you say, okay, well, then that means if I spend eight hours a day at work or nine hours a day, then I need to spend at least ten hours a day doing something in the kingdom. No, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. But I am saying that if that, whatever you are doing, is in somehow conflict with the Father's business to where you cannot be about the Father's work in your life, then you better find something else to do because it's getting in the way. It has to come under the Father's business. So I'm not talking about an occupation. But I am talking about a life of pursuing God and whatever his calling is on your life. And the first calling on your life is, of course, to be a child of his and a servant of Jesus Christ, following him. That's your first calling. And then there are different things that he asks different people to do. That's, that's how it works in the kingdom. 
And you might say, well, I don't know exactly what my calling is. I, I don't know. Well, I can tell you this, that to be obedient to him, be involved in the kingdom. Maybe when you're asked to do something that kind of the flesh recoils at, oh, I don't know if I'd be good at that. Do it anyway, if you can, unless it's something that's going to cause health issues or something, I don't know. But do what you can in the kingdom. And it may not be right in the church. It might be a neighbor that you know you need to go talk to. And, and the Holy Spirit is just pressing you to go talk to that neighbor. Share the gospel with them. Go ask them, just, just go and talk to them. Or maybe it's someone you meet. I, it can be a lot of things to be involved in the kingdom work, in, in his business. But seek that out and just ask God, tell God, I'm willing to be about your business. Give me opportunities. I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, um, I forget to do this. And sometimes, maybe depending on how I feel that day, I'm not sure I want to, but I have already, and I know some people do this daily. God, send someone to me today that I can share the good news of the gospel with. Send me somebody. To, I want to meet somebody today. Make it apparent I want to be able to share your good news. I want to be able to share Jesus with somebody today. That's one way to be involved in God's work. God will make those opportunities come. Maybe not every day, but I believe he will. And I think whether or not we know if we're involved in, in the Father's business is really what is most important in your life. What is most important? And I think for most of us, if we really stop and we're honest with ourselves, totally honest with ourselves. Okay, God, what? Help me see what is most important in my life. If I would lose everything else except this one thing, that's probably the most important thing. Is it my relationship with God? You might say, well, my family's the most important thing in my life. That needs to be very, very important in your life. But your family even, even the church, your job, nothing can be more important in your life than Jesus Christ himself and being about what he's asking you to do in his kingdom. Now, is he going to ask you to do something that takes you, um, how should I say this? Is he going to ask you to do something that's going to come between you and your family? I don't believe so. But you can allow your family to become between you and God. You can allow your work to come between you and God. You can allow your, um, your, whatever your hobbies might be, whatever the things are that just kind of make you tick when you, when you want to get away. All those things can't. None of those things are wrong in themselves. Those things are all important. They're part of kingdom work, many of them. <coughs> but they can't get before God and his work. And so as I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about, am I about my father's business? You know, I had to ask myself, so what are the things that really make, that really motivate me? What are the things that I just can't wait to do? Or the things that I do because I have to do them? Or I do it grudgingly? 
And sometimes that helps us see what, what motivates me. What really motivates me? What, what do I really enjoy doing in life? And sometimes kingdom work may not be all that exciting. It really may not be. You know, you may have a job that you love. You just love your job. For us men, anyway. Maybe some of you ladies, you have a job. You You just love it. Now, some of you may hate your job, but some of you just love your job. Can't wait to do it. You really like it. You wouldn't want to do anything else. But I would guess there are things within your job, your occupation, that you just, some things you don't like about it. I mean, some things that you have to do, that's just part of the job. Now, if you've got a job that there is nothing in it at all that you ever, re, that you ever just don't like to do, tell me about it. This sounds exciting. I want to hear about it. Um, most of us, though, in our work, there are some things we just don't like to do, or it's kind of a pain. Maybe if you deal with a lot of the public, it's not necessarily what you're doing that sometimes gets in the way, but maybe it's some of the people that you work with that, that you have to face, that you have to work with. And I was thinking about that, being involved in our father's business. You know, it kind of works that way, even in kingdom work. We may love it. It may be, it may be the main thing in our life. It's what drives us. We... We love being involved in our father's business. And it's almost to a point where other things are kind of frustrating because I'd rather be doing this for the Lord. I want to be doing this. And, and we get distracted with the things of this world. We want to, we're fo- but yet, I would guess, if you're like me, there's things in the, in, in the, that we do in our father's business too that aren't so enjoyable. Jesus himself went to the garden and and sweated as it was great drops of blood and told the father if there's any way if there's any way that I don't have to go to the cross basically and take upon myself the sins of the world there's another way but nevertheless thy will be done not mine your will why was that? Why could he do that? Because he was about his father's business. He was about his father's work. It wasn't his work, it was his father's work. Now, when I say it wasn't his, keep in mind we're talking about the, the Trinity here. We're talking about the Godhead. Yes, it was his work, it was the Father's work. You understand what I'm saying? But even in that, he he recognized what he was going to have to go through. And he, he even asked his father, is there a, if there's a way out of this? But I'll do it. And I think he knew that there was no other way out. But that was his cry. And if you, if you look at how he, he, yes, he looked for the joy that was set before him. Despised his shame and he, he looked for the joy that was set before him. And so there are going to be things in our work in the kingdom that aren't always as pleasant as other things. And yet I would hope that our desire and our goal is to be in the Father's business. Now, you may look at someone else and say, well, I like his, what he's doing in the Father's work. Well, God didn't ask you to do somebody else's. He's asking you to do your work. 
And we are all called to serve him in some way. And I find it interesting in his story that here at 12 years old, Jesus is there in the temple and he's having this discussion with these guys that some of them, I wonder if later in life, faced him in opposition and hated him and wanted to see him dead. Maybe a few of them even became followers after his resurrection. We don't know that. But he was about his father's business at 12 years of age. Now, he didn't live to be 40 or 50 or 60 or 80 or 90. Had God designed it that that's when he would have been crucified, he would have continued about his father's business throughout that. But what I want to note here is, at 12 years of age, he was doing something in his father's work. When he was 30... He was doing something in his father's work. We assume he was around 33 when he was crucified. He was still involved in his father's work. But his father's work changed. He wasn't, he was, he was here visiting with these doctors of the law at age 12. But he wasn't suffering, if you will, like he did when he was 33. So sometimes our work, what we're doing in the kingdom changes. So maybe for some of our older ones here this morning, you're, you're like, well, I don't even know how to be involved in the Father's kingdom anymore because I or in the Father's work because I'm too old to do things. Those things change over time. Sometimes the Father's work for a mother, a young mother, is simply devoting her time and her life to her children and raising them, teaching them about Jesus. And that's about all she can do in the Father's kingdom. Maybe for someone more and, you know, your children are older, or maybe they're going out of the house, and, and there's other things that now God's saying, I'd like you to do this and this and this in my work. Someone retires, and now maybe their day is structured differently, and God says, I'd like you to do this. And maybe someone's older and can't, do much physically anymore. And God says, I want you to pray. I want you to encourage people. I want you to teach the younger ones if you have opportunity. I want you to be an encourager. Whatever it might be, <clears throat> God is not saying you do someone else's work. I believe God allows us to do, shall I say, age and situational uh, appropriate work that that fits where we are in life. God does not ask a young mother to suddenly leave her family and go to China and share the gospel. It wouldn't even make sense. That's not how God works. We can be about the Father's business in whatever calling and setting we're in as long as we're willing, as long as we're willing, and we tell God, Yes, I must be about your business. I must. We are called to serve. We are called to be in obedience to him. And I believe it starts with a surrender, a surrender. I talked about Jesus being willing to surrender um, what he was doing. And in and, and closing, turn to Luke chapter 9. It's a few pages over in your Bible if you're still there. <clears throat> Luke chapter 9. Yes, our business, being involved in the Father's business, may require suffering and death, misunderstanding, ridicule, who knows what. 
alienation. We don't know. But in Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 18, it says, And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. And he asked them, saying, Whom say people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God, or the Messiah of God. And he straightly charged them, commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and the be slain and raised the third day. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now this is if we're going to be in the Father's business, in his kingdom, his work. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what? Is what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his glory and in his fathers and in, whole, and in his fathers and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. And then he goes on and talks, you see the transfiguration. Are we willing to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him so that someday, after spending a lifetime of serving him patiently, like it was in our lesson, looking for heaven someday and being with him, are we willing to take up the cross, follow him, being in his Father's work and our Father's work, so that someday we can hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. It's worth being in the Father's business. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your example to us of how you were in the Father's business, in the Father's work all of your life. Help us, Lord, to be involved just through whatever you call us to do, being servants of yours, just from day to day, being willing to take up the cross and crucify ourselves, our own flesh, our own desires, so that we can serve you without anything getting in our way. Help us, Lord, daily to do that. Show us, Lord, the areas in our lives where we're not doing that. We need to give things up, and we need to get rid of things that are hindering us. Help us, Lord, to be involved in your work at any age, no matter when, no matter how we are. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.